Hey guys, uh, good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing amazing on uh, this um, October the 9th, Sunday morning. A uh, lot going on, the weather's getting colder, which is nice. Always fun to get that cool weather and smell people burning hardwood. It's just awesome. A lot going on around our church. I hope there is uh, around your church as well. Good things happening and uh, people growing up in their faith. We're talking about how I love my church. And I hope that you are in a place in your own life where you could say, I love my church. Um, and when we say that, what we're talking about is God's church. God's church. His church. Uh, and that... We're an active part of helping God's church go forward and grow and reach the, the world. And we're a part of that process. So we've said a number of things that are foundational that I'm going to hit every time because this is where the ground level is. This is, this is the foundational truths about the church. Everything else kind of gets built up on it. That, that uh, the church is... The called out ones, people who God has called and they've answered the call. And we know that the gospel goes to everyone and anyone. God wants all men to be saved. And <clears throat> so the call goes out and those who respond to the call come in. This is not by birth. You aren't born into the church. You might be born into a family that goes to church or attends church or as a part of the body of Christ, but you must make a decision on your own for Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, be immersed into Christ, and then you as an individual become part of the called out ones by your response to God, not your parents and not somebody else's. The church belongs to Jesus. He has all authority in the church and in the world. All authority is his. He, all belonging is his. Anyone who connects himself to the church is through Jesus. It's all through him that we belong. And he is the one that is constructing the entire operation. He is the head and he is the one building his church. We come alongside and we, we are a part of that process and we let God use us to help build his church. But he is the one building the church. And so that's the foundation. And, and, and we are invited, like mankind is invited to enter into the church, into the body of Christ by faith, right? His grace extended to all. And by our faith, we say, I surrender to you, Lord. And we give ourselves to Christ. We give ourselves to Jesus. We love the church because the church is, and we've said a couple things about the church so far, the church is the body of Christ made up of many members. The church is the way. It's the only way. There's no other way. Buddha is not the way. Krishna is not the way. The Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses, they are not the way. They're all cults. The way to Jesus is through the word of God, or the way to God is through Christ alone, Christ himself. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No one comes to the Father, Jesus said, unless they go through the Son, Jesus. He's the only way. 
Uh, we said uh, in two weeks, we said that prayer is our connection to God. It's the only connection. And it's through the Holy Spirit who, who comes to live in us when we surrender our life to Christ and God, God comes to dwell in us. And that, that connection is our prayer line. And only in the church do you have that connection. People outside of the church who would be considered unbelievers do not have that connection. The only way you get the connection to pray to the Father, you could talk all you want. The only connection that you have to the Father is if the Holy Spirit is living in you and he's the connection to the Father. We spent some time on that. And last week uh, on, our, uh, on our video message, we said that the church is the bride, the beautiful bride of Christ. That he is the bridegroom and the church God's people all around the world are his bride, and he knows his bride. Nobody's sneaking in. You're not going to climb in some back door or over a back fence way. Jesus, the bridegroom, knows exactly who makes up his bride. And the ones that make up his bride are those who have responded to Jesus and the word of God on his terms, not our terms. Not some religion terms, but on God's terms that he spells out in his word. So if you're not living according to the word, then you are off on some religious experience. Let it go. Let it go and just dig into the word of God. That is your guide and your light and your truth. That's it. Well, today, I love the church because... The church is made up of misfits. See, I love the church because it's made up of a bunch of misfits like me. And, and I don't know what my brothers would say, yeah, 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 you're a misfit. But guess what, guys? We're all a bunch of misfits. Okay, any you get a group of people together. Last night I was with our teenagers. We had a dozen teens or so up in the youth room. We were having a Bible study. And, and, we're, and I just got them to look around this room. Kids go to different schools, they dress a little different than each other, they look a little different, their hairstyle's a little different, lots of different, we look around and we're a bunch of misfits. But the one thing we have in common, we might have different interests as far as sports and art and different things that we all like differently, but the one thing we have that glues us all together is our love for God and our desire to serve God. That's what brings us together, that's what brings the misfits together. But we are all misfits. And a misfit is, is defined like this. A person whose behavior or attitude sets them apart from others in an uncomfortable, conspicuous way. They're not like everyone else. They're a misfit. A person who is poorly adapted to a situation or environment. Social misfits. In America, there is a or there was an American punk rock band called The Misfits. You probably remember hearing about this band. I doubt most any of us actually listened to this band, but I wanna just talk a little bit about this band for a minute. The Misfits, it's in the 70s. Uh, they came out of a California uh, area, but The Misfits, they were named, I, I, I bet nobody knows why they were named The Misfits. They were named The Misfits because of um, Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe's uh, movie, a last movie that she made was called The Misfits. 
And uh, her last film, 1961, American Western film where four misfits were the stars. Clark Gable, Montgomery Clift, Eli Walsh, Wallace, and Monroe, uh, Marilyn Monroe. And they were misfits. And the, the whole idea of the story was that they were country, country people who just simply refused to be like the city slickers. And so the movie was called Misfits. And this band named themselves after this movie called The Misfits. In this, in this message, and you can see when we talk about this band, there's a radical idea of what a misfit is or how some people decide to become misfits. But we're not talking about that. When, when I refer to misfits, I'm not saying that we're all a bunch of losers that don't have any hope. It's not what we're talking about. Although a case could be made that because we have all missed the mark, we, we are and, and unable to get it right when it comes to what God would want out of our lives and, and, and how we should live every day. Uh, we, there is a case that could be made that we are somewhat losers in the in the in the battle of life or at least when it comes to living up to the will of God. We're more like, um, I think we're more like the Bad News Bears or the Little Giants. Not complete losers because we, we do have hope because of what God has done. And, and the bottom line is, if, if God did not send his son, we would be hopeless. We truly would be losers without any hope at all in the world. But because what God has done, we are misfits, but we're not losers with no hope. We're, we're more like these guys, you know, the Bad News Bears or the Little Giants. A bunch of like broken kind of different walks of life people, different interests, but all with a God-given purpose that unites, that brings people together. And so when, when we talk about misfits or when I talk about misfits, I'm talking about really two things, just two things, two biblical truths about being a misfit and, uh, and, and living our lives on this planet, okay? Two things, number one, first thing is this, a misfit is an imperfect person. We talk about a misfit, we're talking about people who are imperfect and uh, that's all of us. Someone who has come up short of our original design is a misfit. People who have missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God, that's a misfit. We are not perfect. Therefore, we're in some way a misfit because we're imperfect people. The scripture tells us that all are messed up. Every one of us is messed up. Every person from the past, the present, and the future is messed up. Only Jesus is the exception to that rule. All others are messed up, have issues, are broken, and in need of a Savior. And you know, you don't have to go very far to, to discover this truth. Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, in the first eight verses, God, Paul is talking and he's basically saying that God is just and all people are under sin. We have all like messed up and we're all lost. And then comes to verse 9 in Romans 3 and this is what Paul says. What shall I, uh, we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. 
For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles, that's everybody, alike are all under the power of sin. We are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. <clears throat> Their throats are open graves. Their tongue practices deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. In the way of peace, they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God, the entire world. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become <clears throat> conscious of our sin. It's because of the word of God that God has given to us, that he, has, that he has delivered to us through prophets and the apostles and, and his people, that we have these 66 books that make up the law, that make up the word of God, the Ten Commandments, the, the words of the prophets, and the, the words of the apostles that make up the entire, this book, what it does more than anything else is that it shows us our imperfection. It shows us that we have messed up, that we have missed the mark, but then it also shows us what we must do to come back into a relationship with God. So a few specifics of this passage, just kind of listen to these. Paul says, there is no one righteous, there is no one pure, there is no one that is complete, and he says, not even one, aside from Jesus. Not one human being on this planet is complete, is, is, is perfectly mature, is pure and right before God. All, all have missed the mark of complete righteousness. He says, no one understands, like nobody understands the ways of God because his ways are not our ways and our ways are not his ways. We do not think like we ought to think as sinners on this planet, under the law of sin, under sin. He says, no one seeks God, no one. Like half-heartedly, we might seek God. We are wishy-washy and mostly self-seeking, wanting to just preserve ourselves and care for self. That's how we naturally in a sinful world have become. He says, all have turned away. And together, Paul says, all have become worthless, worthless. And to all this, we say, whoa, Paul, why don't you tell us how you really feel about mankind? Because it's pretty brutal when you think about our condition, according to Romans chapter 3. We're not, we're not just misfits, but we have completely blown it when it comes to God, when it comes to our original God's original desire for you and for me. And so in a world that 
in, in the world that we live in that is feeling sensitive and, and, and everybody wants to be politically correct and, and where everyone is offended by something, okay, in that kind of a sensitive world that we live in today, Paul just tells it like it is. I mean, just, just the facts, you know, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And in the end, in the end, for us, isn't, isn't that what we really want? Don't we really just want to know the truth? We want to know, we should want to know where we stand with God. We should want to know our condition according to God, not according to people or according to the world or anyone else. But what does God think of us? Well, Paul, he doesn't pull any punches. He just delivers to you and me the truth of our condition between us as people and God. And all through time, God called people who were broken and incapable and average and messy. Every one of them, from Adam to Moses to Abraham to the prophets, every Jonah. They just think about everyone that God has ever used. Paul in the New Testament, Saul. They were all a mess. Every Every hero of faith that we read about in, in Hebrews chapter 11 had their issues. And you, you could go places and find all the issues that they, they had. They, they were not perfect people. They were not complete people. They were, in their own way, a misfit when it came to being exactly what God wanted us to be in the beginning. See, a misfit is an imperfect person. It just so happens that God uses imperfect people to build his church. Secondly, the second thing I want to say is this, and, 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 and that's it, just two things. A misfit is someone or a person who does not belong. That's what a misfit is. That's the definition of a misfit. They don't, they don't fit into their surroundings. They don't feel comfortable in, in this place. Now, some people have given like a whole new meaning to the idea of a misfit. In fact, they go out of their way, like they go out of their way to be weird and different and shocking. They want to come across to other people like to, to instill fear or to intimidate or, or to shock, for shock value, like the band, the misfits. This is the misfits. Here they are, the band. And, and you probably see some people walking around the streets kind of looking like this. They like to dress this way. They kind of look at these guys and other uh, famous people in a sense, uh, in the world's eyes anyway, and they, they try to mimic this. And there's, 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 like, there's like groups now of people who want to dress this way and look this way. And, and it's kind of a, a shock value that they, they want to like present to the world. This is a choice. Okay, this is a choice. By choice, these people make themselves misfits. By choice, they make themselves outcasts. They want to be like this. See, some people 
uh, like to show off their differences in little ways. Like some people might go get a tattoo or they might uh, do their hairstyle a little different or maybe wear clothing that kind of matches other people. Like I remember in high school, uh, everybody had certain kind of clothing, like the jocks, they wore, you know, their, their athletic kind of gear. The preppies, they dress preppy. The druggies, they dress druggy. Everybody kind of, the band people and, you know, all other people, they just kind of, they dress to look alike. I mean, it's almost a natural way of people living. But, but there's a radical, there's a radical uh, desire among some people to be not just a little different and to kind of show your desires or your interests, but, but they go extreme, like they go extreme and, and they want to separate themselves like in radical ways. And it's a choice. This is by choice. Well, I'm not talking about this shocking kind of misfitness. Okay, this, is, this has got some behavioral things going on here. It's unnatural. These people were not born this way. This is a decision to look this way. Okay, they are making a choice. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, the natural, the natural, the natural misplacement of our soul and our soul's connection or disconnection to the creator. That's what I'm talking about. We are misfits because we have fallen out of the presence of God. Not because we dress like this. This is a radical different thing. Okay, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the fact that we are separated from God and therefore we have all become misfits when it comes to heaven and the order of creation and all that God represents and stands for. People who are blinded by sin look for other avenues to be different like this. They desire to have like an identity with something or anything. Like they are looking to belong somewhere in the world. That's what they do. But people who have come to know Jesus, see, we find our identity in Jesus. Our God-designed identity. We seek to find out why God created us, what we've fallen away from, and how we can come back to what it is God desires for us. See, they see, we see, Christians see, and sense, and feel this tension between being in the world, but not being of the world. See, Christians understand that it is sin that has separated us from God's original intentions for us, and our created design. We understand that. Believers know that we have become misfits and that there is no need to get like extravagant or bizarre about it. There's no need for that. We understand that it's our fallen condition brought on by us and we accept it. And we radically, radically, if we're going to get radical about anything, it's going to be our radical desire to turn to God for direction, not some loud, shocking, weird lifestyle. That's not what we're about. In fact, John said in his letter in 1 John chapter 2, John said this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It doesn't come from the Father. It comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of my Father <clears throat> lives forever. See, John points out that we're all misfits. We are all misfits, right? Some are actually highlighting their misfitness in worldly ways. They love the world and they dive headlong into its craziness. They get caught up in the world and the systems of the world and the, the hate of the world and the, the desires and the flesh and the lust and things of the world. They get hung up in it, sucked right in. But John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. It's a call to come away from the world and to seek wholeheartedly the Father. Come, the Father is the one that we seek to, to be like and to draw our, our direction and purpose from. To, to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's our desire as believers, to come away from the world when it comes to the ways of the world. And, and to, to not be molded or pressed into the mold of worldly systems and worldly desires and worldly pleasures. See, to let our differences be not more like the world, but less like the world. So let me give you just three ways that we are different from the world. Why we, why we don't belong to the world. The first one is this. It's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. John writes, he says, We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. There's really just two kinds of people living in the world. There's those who have surrendered to God and given their life to God through Jesus. And then there's everyone else who is under the power of the evil one. That's it. There's only two teams. Big sermon series a year or so ago. Two teams. You're either on God's team or you're not. You're either in the game with God or you are not. You're like, that's it. There's no, there's no other teams out there. You're either surrendered to God on his terms through his son, Jesus Christ, or you are outside of God. You are under the power of the evil one. And so the one of the biggest differences that we don't belong to this world or the things of this world is that we belong to God. And God is not of this world. Yes, he created it. It's fallen, it's broken, it's wandered away, but we are now from God. We are not of this world. Secondly, the second thing is this. In the Gospel of John, verse chapter 17, John said, I've given them your word. Jesus talking to his father. I've given them, the disciples, your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And so how are we different? Why is it that we don't belong? Here's the key. We don't belong because Jesus didn't belong. He came to this earth. He lived his life to show us the way back to the Father. He abstained from this world and the things of this world. And he calls us to follow him in that. So we're not of this world. We are of God. Our lifestyle, our mentality is of heaven. It's of the way of Christ. It is not of the way of this world. 
The world hated Jesus. The world hated the apostles. The world is coming to hate anyone who stands for the truth of God. It's pretty clear. That's what's happening in our world right now. And Jesus is like, don't take them out of the world, but, but keep them from the evil. Protect them in the world so that we can be effective in this world like Jesus was effective in this world. Why don't we belong? Because Jesus did not belong. We are from God. We belong to Jesus. And the third thing is this. First Peter says this in chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Peter says, beloved, uh, or children, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to obtain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father or God on the day of visitation, when he comes back. That's a great passage of scripture, isn't it? Why don't we belong to this world? Because Jesus didn't belong to this world, because we are of God, and because this world is not our home. You know, our citizenship is in heaven. So the next time you go across the border, Mexico or Canada or wherever you go, and they ask you where your citizenship is, you just tell them that your citizenship is in heaven. It's in heaven. And then you might have to correct that and say, well, for now, it's, it's in the United States. But, but my citizenship is in heaven. We don't belong here on the planet. This is not our home. We're not planning to stay. We're not, we're not unpacking our bags. We're not going to get comfortable down here. We're going to let God move us and use us wherever God wants to move us and use us because we are not of this place. Paul says, or Peter says, I'm sorry, Peter says the world's not our home. We are sojourners. We are foreigners and strangers. We are exiles in this place, right? That's what we are. We are aliens. We, we don't belong here. We're pilgrims on the planet. That's what the word means. And Peter is quoting from Psalm 39, verse 12, that, that says this. Psalm 39, verse 12 says, way back in the Old Testament, hear my prayer, Lord, Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you, God, I dwell with you as a foreigner and a stranger as all my ancestors were. See, all those people of old, they understood that this world was not their home. God's people understand what it means to be exiled to be ripped out of your home and brought to Babylon or some other place where you were slaved. See, that was not their home. They were exiles. So when, when Peter uses these terms, these guys, they understand exactly what this means, that, that this world's not our home. We should not be too comfortable here. And God calls us in this passage to abstain. Look what he says, to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Stay away from it. Don't get sucked into it. <clears throat> he calls us to guard our conduct. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, that we would represent God on the earth in this world. We're not going to act like the world. We're not going to dress like the world. We're not going to like go crazy and weird and be bizarre like the people of the world who are caught up in the world. 
We're going to represent God in the most honorable and pure way that we possibly can. Don't be like the world. Just because the world is doing all these weird things to themselves, don't get caught up in that. Remember, you, you represent a holy and a pure and a, and a good God. Be that on the earth in every way possible. Mind, body, soul, strength, activity, behavior, every possible way. Represent God. Guard your conduct, Peter says. And he says, do good deeds so that you will glorify God on the day of visit. The day he comes back, he sends Jesus back. See, this is how we're to be different from the world. Not in expressions of the bizarre. We're misfits. We are misfits and we know it. And it's okay. I love the church because the church, I love the church because the church belongs to Jesus. And because Jesus loves misfits. In fact, he came to give his life for misfits like you and me. Embrace the fact that you are a misfit. A misfit bought at a price, at the price of the blood of Jesus, God's only son. Therefore, glorify God in your misfitness. You guys have a great week. Go out and be a misfit for God, okay? Do not be like the world. Have a good one.